For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclewisville.org. Amen. Thank you so much, praise team. That was awesome. Thank you for leading us in, in worship as we gather together to study God's Word. Open your Bibles, if you will, to the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23. We are still looking at the, the uh, qualities of, a, of an irresistible church, a church that, that God just can't help but bless, a church that, 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 is, that is fulfilling its calling and its mission to bring others into a saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, to bring them to the, to the cross so that they can confess their sins and, and God can, can, can just lavish them with, with mercy and grace and forgiveness and, <clears throat> and then they will come to have an eternity with Him. And uh, we, are, we are, are going through this together as a family, this discussion of what an irresistible church looks like. And, and I want to make sure that we understand from the very beginning that this is not a church that is irresistible to other people. I mean, the world is full of churches that try to be irresistible to everybody else. You know, what is it going to take to get you to come in? What is it going to take, you know, what, what are we going to have to have? What, what flashy things are we going to have to have to make sure we keep and, and maintain your attention? That kind of thing. We're not trying to be a church that's irresistible to man. We're trying to be a church that's irresistible to God. And if we are a church that is irresistible to God, God is going to bless that church. And that church will in turn be irresistible to folks. It will bring folks in. It will enable us to evangelize. It will enable us to disciple but first, we have to focus on being a church that is irresistible to God. And, and, and the, the best way to do that, the first way that we can do that, uh, is kind of our, uh, our, our study verse that encapsulates, the entire, encapsulates I'm sorry, the entire study that we're doing. And that's James 4.8 and, and 4.10. When James writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So as we gather together to look at what being an irresistible church looks like, the first thing we need to make sure that we do is to draw near to God. And how do we do that? Well, we study. We make ourselves open. We, you know, when we get up in the morning, we, we, we talk to God and we say, you know what, how can I live for you today? God, draw near to me. Teach me who you are. Open yourself to me. Uh, open me to, to, to see the wonder of who you are. Convict me when I don't. Uh, do the things that I should be doing or live the way that I should be living. We should be, we should be focused, utterly focused as, as people and as a church on drawing near to God so that He will draw near to us. And we approach Him with a degree of, of humility, understanding that we don't come before Him in any way on our own. That God has made a way for us to return to Him in our arrogance, and our disobedience, and our sin. When, when, we, when we drop those things, when we put those things down, that God will then slay those things to us and we will, we will no longer be captives to sin and captives to death, that we will be living for Him. We humble ourselves because we know that we don't do that on our own. We come to Him in humility. And because we come to Him in humility, James says He will exalt us. Let me ask you this. We're going to talk today about knowing the shepherd. Knowing the shepherd. But let me start by asking this question. Have you ever heard of somebody who left the church complaining that they just couldn't get fed? I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm leaving the church and, and you, you know, your friends or your Sunday school class or even the pastor will touch base with them and they'll say, well, I'll tell you, I just wasn't getting fed. Well, 
Truth be told, most of the folks that, that use that as an excuse to leave the church are starving to death because they're only eating one day a week. It has nothing to do with getting fed. It has everything to do with how often they're eating. And if you're, if you're feeling that way, I just want to give you, I just want to say something that, that, that God you know, has, has placed on, on, on my heart because I want, to, I want to share this with our church family and those that are listening in love. If you are feeling like you are simply not getting fed, maybe we need to stop and consider whether or not, like those people that, that left because they weren't getting fed, we're relying on others to carry our relationship with God to us. Now I know that this is a strange time for us and that, that we are not together and that if we are going to continue our walk with the Lord, if we are going to grow in our walk with the Lord like He wants us to, like He has given us time to do right now, He has put us on pause, He has put our lives on pause so that we can, I believe, so that we can come to know Him better and in a new way. And, and that's going to require a little something from us. We're going to have to be focused. We're going to have to make it intentional that we... Uh, th th that we spend time with God, especially since we're not coming together and there's nothing to draw us together, especially since God has given us and he has blessed us with some beautiful weather outside. We've got to be intentional in our worship. We've got to say, I'm getting up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to Sunday school at 10 o'clock and I'm going to listen and I'm going to watch uh, the service at 11 and I'm going to come online at 6 o'clock. And I'm going to spend a little time doing a devotional and a little time of, of prayer with my church family and, 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 and students and young, young folks. I'm going, to, I'm going to log on at 630 and I'm going, to, I'm going to, to, to participate with my brothers and sisters in that. That's got to be a decision that we make because other things are going to be competing for our time. We see it already. Once the, the abject fear of the pandemic starts to wane in us, we begin to drift away again. And I want to call us to maintain our vigilance. I want to call us to continue getting to know the shepherd. To continue spending time with God. To continue to do your devotionals. Continue to gather when we gather together in corporate worship. Continue to do that. Because God is giving us an awesome opportunity right now. He wants us to come and to know him better. And let's don't starve to death because we're only eating one day a week. And if we do that, if we rely on other people to bring us our spiritual food, we're wanting other people to do what only we can do. And that is take responsibility for our own spiritual health and our nourishment. God has, has brought us together as a church, but he has also given us individual responsibility for making sure that we stay nourished. Listen closely, you may just hear God asking you, Am I not enough? Is God asking you, in, 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 as you as you start to get busy again, even just a little bit, even just incrementally, is God asking you, am I not enough? Are you plugging in to God's most gifted teacher? And that's the Holy Spirit. God's most gifted teacher is the Holy Spirit. Are you plugging into Him? Are you letting Him teach you? Psalm 23 tells us all we need to know 
about maintaining a vital, healthy spiritual life. He tells us to know the shepherd. David wrote this, and David, who was a shepherd himself, knows a little something about what a shepherd is like, right? He knows what, a, what, a, what function a shepherd performs. A shepherd is a protector. A shepherd gathers his sheep together and takes care of them. He watches out for them day and night. He makes sure that, they, that they're safe. He protects them. He provides for them. He defends them. And you see this coming out when he talks about God being his shepherd. Look at, look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. For you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a comforting pastoral message that David has for us. How do the sheep eat? They know the shepherd. They know the shepherd. The seventh trait of an irresistible church, a church that God loves to bless, is that it is filled with self-feeders. It's filled with self-feeders. Feeding ourselves is no one's responsibility except our own. I cannot expect other people to feed me. And if I'm to grow and mature, it's not going to be the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher or the pastor or, or, uh, or a deacon or anyone else. Now, certainly those people were, were placed in positions of leadership by God to, to teach and to coach and to instruct and to encourage and to do those kind of things and, and, and to, to to, uh, to explain the material, to, 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 uh, to, to provide that a as a ministry, to sharpen our skills. But let me tell you something. I alone am responsible to feed me. And that's the way, that's the way we need to look at it. If we're going to be a church that grows, we grow corporately, but we also grow individually. And we grow individually because we assume responsibility, some uh, degree of responsibility, for making sure that we stay fed. Now, we often don't take the maintenance of our soul seriously until it's too late. It's like running a race. I know you probably find it hard to believe, but there was a, a period of time in my life when I was younger that I used to run. I've even got a couple of really old and craggy looking uh, little trophies to, to show that I at least participated in it. But runners particularly those that are distance runners, will tell you that hydration, getting enough water at regular intervals throughout the race, is crucial. It's crucial to the body. It keeps the body doing what it's supposed to do so that you can have the endurance to finish the race, even if you're not thirsty at a particular moment. One running coach I read about said that if you wait until you're thirsty to take a drink, it's too late. Your body has already begun to slide into dehydration. You cannot afford to wait. Psalm 46.10 encourages that direction for us spiritually uh, as well. This passage kind of offers us a, a wonderful invitation to self-feeding and also a wonderful method. It says simply, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That invitation is found in the, the second part of that short verse. To know God. 
He invites us to know Him. That method is found in the first part. Be still. How are we going to know God? We've got to, we've got to be silent. We've got to be still. We have got to be focused. So we can hear God when He speaks to us. Look, look. God is not going to scream at us. God speaks to us. And if we are so concerned with just making sure we regurgitate our needs to God and we're not listening to God respond to us, then we're missing out on how, to, on how to know God, to be still. He invites us to know who He is. An important part of being still is, is what? It's solitude. Solitude. Now let me tell you something. If we've not gotten anything from what's been going on over the last six weeks, we have been given some time for solitude, have we not? We have been given time to spend with God. It's one of the vital keys to knowing Him. Solitude renews a heart that has been fatigued. Being alone with God is where a hurting soul goes to heal itself. Solitude provides the, the opportunity to scrub our souls, to recalibrate um, life's compass. And without it, we can easily drift towards something that's a life that, that's, that's chaotic and, and unexamined, a life that is full of spiritual starvation. Are you spiritually hungry today? Have you given yourself time to be fed and hydrated by the Word of God? Have you spent time with God? Don't let this opportunity God is giving us pass you by. Use it. Use it to get to know Him better. Solitude differs from isolation, though. A lot of us feel isolated. Isolation happens when we violate solitude. Now, just bear with me for a minute. Let's, let's unpack that. If we don't have enough true solitude in our lives, we hunger to be left alone. Often from the relationships in our life that are, that are the most healthy. Those with our closest friends. Those that may be with our spouse. Those with the Lord. If we don't spend the time it takes with God, basically, is what we're, we're looking at. If we don't spend the time in solitude, we will begin to drift away and we will drift into isolation. God doesn't call us to be isolated. God doesn't call us to live on an island. God doesn't call us to live and to function and to work and to love and to minister in a vacuum. Even Jesus took solitude. He took time to get away, to spend time with his Father. And that's a lesson for every one of us. God wants us to make sure that we're taking time to get away with him, to do that. We isolate ourselves and we try to feed our souls with the escapism of of TV and social media. And I don't mean using social media to worship like we're doing right now. I mean using social media as your only means to communicate with other people. We know folks like that. We may be somebody like that. That we would much rather text somebody. We would much rather watch somebody's life on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, or, or Twitter and all, all the other stuff that, I, that I've, I've got, remember, I've got the passwords too, but I'm not really sure exactly how to use. I'm kind of a, a dinosaur when it comes to stuff like that. But if we, if we use those things for something other than what they were intended to do, which is, which is be a compliment, a compliment to our other social activities, if that becomes who we are and what we do, then we're missing. We're missing the purpose for which we were created. We were created to relate, to have relationships with one another and to, to use those, those as tools to support the relationship, not to have it. 
not to have the relationship. At that point, we become isolated. The noise of the radio, the busyness of our schedules. When we're doing all this, we desperately hope for whatever this discontent we have in our heart to pass. After we isolate ourselves like this, we return to our healthy relationships unfulfilled. Something is missing. Something is missing. God wants us to have a full, full relationship. Mother Teresa once said, in order to keep a lamp burning, we have to keep putting oil in it. Right? If you're going to keep a lamp burning, we have to keep oil in it. The oil we must fill our lamps with is the true oil of solitude with God. To spend time with Him alone, recharging, so that we can then pour into everyone else around us. We can do what we have been created to do. It refreshes. This time we spend with God maintains our hearts. It refreshes us. It reinvigorates us. It offers us a renewed perspective for all each and every new day that we have or fresh challenge that, 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 that life gives us. We enter it not depleted. We enter it refreshed and recharged and ready to face it because we don't have that energy on our own. The energy that we have been recharged with is the energy that God gives us through our time along with Him. And so we face life with God. We don't face life alone from Him. Psalm 119, 32-35 offers us some additional insight into the self-feeding process. And those verses point us to many benefits and challenge us to be motivated to meeting regularly with God. Take a look at that Psalm 119 beginning in verse 32 he says I shall run the way of your commandments for you will enlarge my heart teach me O Lord the way of your statutes and I will observe it to the end give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart make me walk in the path of your commandments for I delight in, in them in it so take a look at the first verse of that passage verse 32 if you will why might we run in the path of God's commands. Because God enlarges our hearts. God makes our hearts big enough so that we can do that. Another translation says that God sets our hearts free. What a great picture. That God, and what He does when He deals with us, He, he, he sets us free. We're not constrained. We're not restricted. God sets us free so that we can do that. Our times of, of regular self-feeding never need to be times of drudgery or duty or I've, I've got to get up this morning and read my devotional. I've got to do this. I've got, let me tell you something, our time with the Lord ought to be something that we cannot wait to do. And that's where He wants our hearts to be, where we cannot wait to spend time with Him. God is a person who invites us to have relationships with Him. He invites us to have that. His Word, the Bible, is living and active. God is intimately involved in our lives. And when we follow His commands and teachings, the results of that are goodness and joy and adventure. God takes us on an adventure through this life. Do you, ever, do you look at it that way? Do you look at the relationship that you have with God as someone who is a guide to an incredible adventure that leads to an eternity with Him? And what does a guide do? A guide just doesn't walk in front of you. A guide looks out after you. A guide makes sure that you're well positioned. Makes sure that you have the best path to walk so that you don't stumble. A guide makes sure that, that, that you stay uh, protected. That is what someone who a, who a guide is, that's what they do. That's what God does for us. 
That was a bad sentence for you English teachers out there. I'm really sorry. That was a bad sentence. Anyway, but you get my point. God wants to do that for us. But he'll only do that if we get to know him. As we began this morning, if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. If you permit me a sports analogy, self-feeders don't show up to the game wearing jeans and a backpack. They arrive wearing their uniform. They arrive ready to play. In other words, self-feeders arrive having already made the decision to play ball. When we come into the presence of the Lord, we need to come into the presence of the Lord having already made the decision to draw near to Him. Having already made the decision to get to know Him better. That's, the, that's what makes this analogy true for our spiritual life. If we have motivated ourselves to hear God on a daily basis, we're already in the frame of mind that we need to walk through the front door or to sit down at our dining room table, uh, to, to attend weekend services, to, to, to attend our, we, our midweek uh, get-togethers on Facebook, to do this as a family, to do this as, as a group of friends who may, who may get together by Zoom, to do it as a Sunday school class, whatever you do, to provide that additional training. We're already ready. We don't wait till we get there to decide that we're going to get trained. We're there because we are ready for God to train us. We're ready for God to do something in our lives that enables us and gives us the, the overwhelming urge to get out and be the church that God wants us to be. To encourage the discipline that we already have. That's what we do as, a, as when we gather together to lift one another up. We encourage the discipline that we have already got. We have already received, we have already developed the discipline. So when we gather together, we, that's an encouragement to that. But we have to do that along with, do that in ourselves first in solitude with God. Think about it this way, if you will. There's a recent article, and I'm not sure exactly how recent, but there's a recent article in the American Journal of Medicine. And doctors published a, a highly revealing conclusion to their study that the health of, the 20, of 21st century America will no longer be determined by what people can get doctors to do for them. The health of America today will be determined by what the doctors can get people to do for themselves. The first thing when I go to the doctor and he comes into the, the exam room with my test results that may not be what they need to be, the first thing that my doctor talks about is what I need to be doing to improve this. That it's not just a matter of taking a pill. It's not just a matter of the doctor doing something or giving you something. There is something I have to do to improve my health and well-being. I have to exercise. I've got to eat right. I've got to make sure that I don't put things into my body which are detrimental to my body. Now, that is supplemented and supported oftentimes by, by medication. But the, the, the responsibility for my personal health falls to me. Does it not? I can't blame my doctor if I'm not getting better. And there are things that I can do. And that, that's kind of what they're talking about. Can you, can you see how this prescription applies to, to other areas of, of, of our lives? I mean, a once a week meal of... of braised skinless chicken and steamed vegetables and a vitamin pill no matter how healthy or scrumptious that meal may be would in the long run still leave us weak and undernourished if that's the only meal we eat during the week 
Do you think about church that way? Is Sunday morning the only meal you eat spiritually? Well, no wonder you're hungry. I would be starving to death if that's the only time that I got any nourishment. God doesn't want us to eat once a week. God wants us to sit at His table every single day. God wants us to sit at His table and allow Him to feed us through His Word every single day. And if you only eat once a week, of course you're hungry, but daily meals can change all that, right? You have to eat a certain amount of calories. You have to intake a certain amount if you're going to expend those things. Regularly dining on the Word of God makes for someone who is vigorous. It makes for healthy saints. And healthy saints are the only kind that are going to make a difference in this world today. We've got to be healthy. We've got to be healthy spiritually, not just healthy physically. The responsibility and the joy of self-feeding is, is ours. And in this passage from, from Psalms that we read earlier, God's invites, uh, God invites us to run in the path of His command, for He sets our hearts free. There's a certain euphoria when you exercise. Your body begins to build up certain, certain uh, uh, attributes in, in, inside your body, and, and there comes a period of time where when you're exercising, there's a, there's a, your, your tiredness and your weariness gives way to a certain kind of, of euphoria. You're, you, you're, you're free. You feel free to do more than you thought you could do. When, when you kind of get over that hump, you feel free to, to do more. I feel like I can, I can do just one more. I feel like I can do just a couple more reps. I feel like I can do that. You know, and, and you're, you're operating off of an energy level that you're not really sure where it comes from, but you know that you're enjoying it right now. So see, our job is therefore to stretch. It's to lace up our running shoes. It's to earnestly head out on the trail, prepared for the good things that life has ahead of us. To prepare, But how do we prepare for that? Well, God tells us, right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourself and he will exalt you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Do we want our, store, our, our souls restored? How do we do that? We lean on the shepherd. We get to know the shepherd. How, does he, how do we get fed that way? We know the shepherd. The shepherd feeds us. He takes care of us. When we regularly feed on God's word, it helps us to know the shepherd intimately. Why? Because we're spending time with him. You want to get to know somebody? Spend time with them. You get to know everything about them. The good stuff and the bad stuff. That's kind of like nothing ever really prepares you for marriage. Right? Till you're living with somebody and having to share decisions that you were used to making yourself. You don't really get to know somebody until you spend time in intimate quarters with them. Our life takes us on a, a stable, constant kind of path or constant cadence where even though the storms threaten and attack us, we remain trusting in God's goodness. We remain steadfast and immovable. Why? Because God is steadfast and immovable. And we are not, we're not being battered by the storm in our own strength. We are standing in the storm because God is standing in the storm with us. And we're going to emerge victorious from whatever storm it is because God is victorious. He is ultimately victorious. And if we are with Him, God will be victorious in our lives as well. When we choose to be self-feeders, the words of Psalm 16:8 ring true to each of us today. I have set the Lord continually before me because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. 
Do we say that when we're nervous and afraid and when anxiety seems to, to come over us and we find ourselves slipping into depression? Do we say that I have set the Lord continually before me? I keep God in front of me. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Do we say that or do we give in to being shaken? I'm not saying moments of weakness. All of us have moments of weakness where we're shaken and we're, we're overcome with anxiety and, and we get nervous and we hyperventilate. And I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about understanding that whatever comes along our way, God is going to take care of it. And because I don't have to be responsible for what God is doing, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be shaken. Why? Because God is with me. God is in me. God is working through me. God is victorious. God is all-powerful. God is, will never be defeated. And because of that, life will never ultimately defeat us. We may get knocked down. We may have to get back up again. God will, will pick us up and will dust us off. We'll cover our wounds in a way that only he can, and he will set us on the right path again. And that is what God is doing in this time of pandemic. That's what God is doing by giving us time to, to, to spend with him. Is God is giving this nation, God is giving this church, God is giving his church universal the opportunity to stand up, to dust itself off, to say we are walking down the path that God wants us to walk down. God will direct our path. God will give us the means to do that. We will be victorious. Why? Because we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken by whatever comes our way. A story is told, if you'll, if you'll bear with me for a moment, it's a, a kind of a long story, but it's, I think, very beautiful. How a small country church many years ago was having a talent show. They're having a talent show, and two performances really stood out uh, among all the other folks that were, that were, that were performing. First was a visitor from the city. He had heard about the talent show and, and he came to participate. He was a seasoned professional actor, well-trained in the, in the Shakespearean tradition. I, as I read this story, it kind of reminded me of the, I go, on every, I go on Facebook every day because Patrick Stewart, the actor Patrick Stewart, does a sonnet a day from Shakespeare. And I, I think they're beautiful and they're beautiful. One of the reasons they're beautiful, the words are fantastic, but another thing that makes them beautiful is that this guy's got an awesome voice and when he reads it, you can just feel it. Okay, that's, that's kind of what I thought about this guy. He's, a, he's, a very, he's a very well trained. He stepped in front of the church. He cleared his throat. And in a, in a very resonant, beautiful, trained voice, the 23rd Psalm just echoed through the, cha through the chapel that he was speaking in. He recited this, this psalm with sweeping gestures, with, with magical uh, poise, with flattering eloquence he was it was beautiful he concluded and and there was there was this applause from everybody in the in the church sanctuary they just they were wrapped in attention by what he was saying and the way that he said it and the pastor kind of left gave a moment for the for the um for the 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 uh the clapping to die down and 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 the kind of the brief afterglow that everyone was in by listening to him read the 23rd psalm and then he nodded his head the pastor did towards this old farmer that was standing in the back. Wasn't even sitting in the back row. That was, wasn't far enough back. He was standing behind the back row. And the pastor said this, Joseph, would you be next? And the farmer said, uh, oh man, shucks, I, I don't know nothing. And the pastor said, sure you do. Come on up. You're here. Do something for us. 
And others around the church were encouraging him and coaxing him to do that. And fidgeting from side to side, he mumbles. He said, man, I, I, don't, I don't really know much, but you know, all I really know to do is, is kind of recite that, that same psalm as the other man did. And he said, I'm not much, a, much one for reading. It's the only one I ever really learned by heart is the 23rd Psalm, and I'm afraid this other man beat me to it. Well, share it again then, the pastor encouraged, and soon others were telling him, come on man, come, come, come and do it. And the farmer was in his early 60s, and hard times had fallen on his life and, and on his little farm. But throughout all of that, he had remained godly and, and soft-spoken, and he, was, he never complained, and so he swallowed hard, and he kind of stammered, and he, he started on with his little paraphrase, and he, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that one thing, I figure I've got everything I need. People sat, listening as he talked. He kind of got off on a little side route and he continued. He said, y'all know that my dear wife passed away six years ago. And when my Helen passed, I didn't think I'd be able to go on without her. But God never left me. And he reminded me that I was going to do just fine. He said he'd been there for the kids and me. And he was. The farmer paused to kind of remember where he was in, in the 23rd Psalm. Then he continued, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still streams. He restores my soul. He leads me. And he paused at that moment. And he kind of had another aside remembrance. He said, Y'all know that when the war broke out, my boys left to go join up. The day they left was the last day I saw them alive. He said, I run the farm alone now. But the Lord goes before me and he prepares my table. I'm never truly alone, not really. And when I don't think I have much left, my cup always overflows. And he concluded the 23rd Psalm, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me and I look forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord and I know it will be my home too and my wife's and my boys forever. And without anybody noticing, a profound silence had engulfed that entire room. The kind that when deep respect is the only response that can be given. It's the kind of silence when you don't know what to do, so you just don't do anything at all. And so old Joseph sat down and nobody moved. And then very slowly, that professional actor got up and he made his way to the front again. And standing there for just a moment as if to find appropriate words enough to disturb the silence, he spoke. He said, this actor said, I may know the shepherd's psalm, but this man, and he pointed to the farmer, this man knows the shepherd. And that makes all the difference. Knowing about God and knowing him personally are galaxies apart. Right? And that's what this story was about. Knowing about God and knowing Him are galaxies apart. One may bring notoriety or even fame, but the other, the other brings depth. It brings depth and intimacy. Recognize the difference between, between knowing about God and knowing Him. That one decision will make all the difference. It'll make all the difference in your life. 
It'll make all the difference in your worship. It'll make all the difference in your eternity. I'm going to ask somebody who's listening today that may have been struggling with what God is doing in their lives, do you know God or do you just know about Him? The demons know Him. Do you know about Him or do you know Him? I want you to know Him today in a way that is personal and intimate. I want you to draw near to Him so that He can draw near to you. I want you to come to Him in humility so that He can exalt you. I want you to lay everything that you have been suffering with, your burdens, lay your cares, lay those things at the throne of God so that He can pick them up and deal with them. And He can pick you up and dust you off and give you brand new clothes. And He can put you on the path that He would have you to be on. Christian, are you spending time reconnecting with God? The world will keep you so busy that you don't think about God anymore. Are you using this time to get to know Him? It's easy to know about Him. There's a lot to read. But do you know Him today? That's my prayer. That we will grow to know Him better. That we will draw close to Him. And He will draw near to us. That we will understand that He is our shepherd. And because of that, we shall not want. There is nothing that we will want. He'll restore our souls. He'll protect us. His presence, which is what David represents by the rod and the staff, that's His presence. They're a comfort. Why? Because God is with us. And because God is with us, We have nothing to fear. The victory has been won. Will you embrace that today? Father, I just, I thank you so much for your love for us. God, I just thank you for the way that your word teaches and encourages us, God. It, 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 in times where we are lonely and anxious, God, your word comforts us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your scriptures. God, thank you for, for giving us teachers who will come and, and, and come alongside us and, and, and make sure that we're, um, we're learning the best way we can, God, but help us to make sure that we understand that we're responsible for that. God, it's got to be a decision on our part to learn and to study and to draw close to you. No one's going to draw us close to you. We do that on our own. Lord, give us the burning desire in our heart to do that. Lord, if there's someone today who needs to draw close to you, let this moment be that moment. God, if there's a believer who is, whose life with you has become stale, Lord, let us use this time to renew our hearts, renew our souls, renew our spirits by spending time with you. God, help us to know the shepherd today. In Jesus' name, amen.